We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Shouldn't the turkey by Flannery O'Connor be done in, like, November? I don't know. It, it feels weird doing it in May. <laughs> but thank you, Leslie Smith, from the Nerdy Narrative. <laughs> Exactly. And did you know that this was actually part of her 1947 thesis? Oh, I, I did not. Now, let me ask you this. Hit me up front. Hit me up front. Did this story, because she, she retools and writes stories a lot. Did this story feel incomplete to you? Yes, I was very confused. I didn't know what was going on half the time. I'm very excited to discuss this one. So hopefully I can get some more enjoyment out of it. <laughs> well, did you know that she later added to the story and re-released oh. it as an afternoon in the woods? So did I read the wrong one? Did Leslie Smith? No, no, no. The turkey, wrong? the turkey was her thesis that she originally wrote, and it, it was a completed story, but she came back to it for some reason later and added some stuff to it. So I'm gonna add uh, what those were, I think, to you from a perspective of for those that are reading an afternoon in the woods, it, it's kind of, uh, there's a lot of overlap, but I feel like okay. there, what she added, there's a lot of design behind what she added. I think it adds a lot to, to some of the takeaway of the story of this. So you're telling me that that story, an afternoon in the woods gives context so that maybe the overall themes and analysis of the turkey would be easier because this story is a little bit confusing. Yeah. I think okay. so. I think okay, so. Okay, good. Hit me. I'm so, ready. So let's start out in, in the turkey, okay? The, 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 this is what's interesting. Who's the main character? Roller. Roller? Ruler? Yeah, I don't know how to say his name. I'll say Ruler. Uh, how old is he? Uh, he's 11. And how would you describe him? Um, he's unusual. He's kind of weird, quirky, uh, he likes being by himself. I feel like he's like always talking to himself. He has a very vivid imagination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's kind of independent, kind of determined, right? Uh, how would you describe his faith? Uh, Strong-ish? Okay. I don't know. Okay. Wax on, wax off? <laughs> it depends on like where it's in the story of like sometimes... I feel like this kid might be bipolar of like he's picking one thing and then the other thing. I don't know. Well, I mean, just because you're picking one thing or the other, I mean, you're bipolar. Um, but he's, so, he's, he's all over the place. Okay. So let's say this. The opening is in the middle of a story almost, right? Like he, he's out in the woods hunting, right? He sees this turkey and he almost has like this religious conversation of just like, oh, God sent me this turkey. Right. Like this, this is my chance. It's a, it's a lame turkey at that too that can't fly. So I'm going to be able to catch it. Well, an afternoon in the woods starts out much different where first of all, um, the boy is supposed to be going to, I think it was like a girl's uh, birthday party or party of some sort. And he's supposed to be bringing this perfume and he takes this perfume and this little pink bow and he smashes it and kind of like 
rubs it into the ground type of situation, almost like he's like uh, rejecting, you know, this, this, what, what the symbolism could be there. Right. And, and if you remember in the Turkey, the, what's the first thing he thinks of when he sees this Turkey? Oh, he thinks about his manhood, the gun. Right, right, right. We tip, we talk about this a lot, how a lot of times in literature, guns come to represent a character's manliness, their manhood, their coming of age, their authority, even at times. And here, uh, you'll notice that the little boy is often kind of passed over by his older brother. He's unusual, according to his parents. He doesn't fit in. He's trying to assert his place in life, right? Right, And he thinks God has sent this turkey to help him find that, right? And if only he had his gun, his manhood, to, to kind of make that transition in his life. So it's kind of a, a coming-of-age story. Fair? Yeah. Do you think the turkey's real? Oh, I, I assume it was real, but I had never thought about it because those other boys came and stole it from him, right? Yeah, but I just... I don't know. I keep thinking about of what if, I mean, because he is so weird and unusual. What if they just were like, we got your turkey and like there is no turkey and they're just teasing him because he sees mm. it. They play along with it just to razz him, you know, because he, he, he's gullible uh, that you were asking me to describe him. I feel like I feel like ruler Ruller is, is kind of gullible. Uh, he'll do anything to get attention. So if he's acting a little bit crazy and the boys are like, yeah, we'll get one over on him. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think oh, the turkey's real, but. Yeah, I I think I think the turkeys. I mean, I read it as it's real, but I think okay. um, if we talk about it, to, to, let's entertain it. Like, like I don't want to just throw it away, right? Because that's an interesting thought. If what does the turkey represent to the boy? Uh, growth um, represents him being not necessarily being a man, but worthiness he prove prove himself to his family that that he is as good as his brother yeah a chance to belong perhaps yes yes yeah and if these other people come along and steal that opportunity from him whether the turkey's real or not i think figuratively it works that way too so i, I don't know it's kind of an interesting thought um so i didn't mention this earlier but we we started talking about this 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 line of inquiry about the gun and manliness and such do you know what the boy's name is? She changes the name in an afternoon in the woods. Oh. His name is Manly. <laughs> nuh -uh. Yeah, the boy who I mean, smashes that, the perfume. So on the nose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if you remember, do you remember when we did um, Good Country People? One of the characters' names was Manly Pointer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She She does a little bit sometimes, like, too on the the nail yeah. <laughs> it's like well, okay people, we get it flannery <laughs> some people have wondered if this is the same manly pointer right like is this his origin story of how he grew oh, up to be that way oh that would make sense um, because if he's bullied as a little kid and doesn't feel good now he's trying to get over people and that Ooh, i like that theory i like that that makes me enjoy this story a whole bunch more if this is his origin, his evil origin story. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I thought that was kind of an interesting I, thought. I'm to, believing to throw it now. Out there. I, you won me over. I'm a convert. <laughs> so let's put it this way. Ruler or Manly, Manly, whichever one you want to think of him as, thinks that God has sent him a chance at fitting in. 
And I wonder, you know, how Flannery always just takes these shots at certain forms of belief. And, and she, I think she, she does it not to make fun of those people per se, maybe a little bit. There's always a little bit of that in a joke, but I think she's trying to get us to ask how we live our own life. And I think, you know, those people that everything is, oh, praise be God. Like, oh, thank God. Like, like they think everything good in their life is because God did it for them. And, and I think that's just, it's a, it's a very extreme way of looking at life. And I think from a Catholic standpoint, you have to look at it of, because uh, that's what Flannery was, that your choice matters, right? Grace depends upon one's decisions in life. And if you're constantly praising God for all the good things, then you're also blaming him for the bad things, right? And where does free will come into that picture? And I think Flannery probably wanted some people to pull back that, that maybe this boy, ruler, is placing too much of his fate, too much of his life on his religion, on his faith, of things that, that aren't really in God's control. Well, I mean, technically everything could be in God's control, but like it's like almost like shirking your own personal responsibility for not being the man, for not fitting in. Like, What is manly or ruler not doing correctly or not doing to fit in better with his group so that his brother's always like the favorite or whatever? Sees the opportunity, right? If if God is in control of everything, but you still have free will, he is providing the turkey to ruler slash manly and saying, well, here, I'm giving you the opportunity. Now you have to seize it. It's the old idea of that, you know, if, uh, you know, there's a flood and it's God's fault, God will send you someone to save you, uh, that he, that he's providing an opportunity and you have to take this opportunity uh, in order to fit in if that's, you know, the, the, the plan. Yeah. And I think something that kind of happens, it's a little strange. If you just look at it from a Turkey perspective is like how he like prays for like a beggar to show up in his life. Like, like praying for these opportunities almost in a sense is one way to look at it. Do you think that that's kind of the standard that Flannery sees in her life of people are always asking for things uh, we, we've seen this in you know funny things uh you know in modern movies where if God literally answered every prayer you know the world would be absolute chaos and that these not I I don't want this to sound mean or anything but sometimes these trivial things that something of like the young boy praying just for a turkey so that he could shoot it to impress his folks it's kind of trivial in the grand scheme of, of life when there's literal life and death and people starving and that really, truly good or terrible things happening. Or like praying for a football team to win on a Sunday game. Right. I, I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, I, I'll never know what Flannery was thinking, but I will say she well, her interpretation the through this story. Well, she changed the story though. Cause if we go back to him smashing okay, me, the perfect, smashing the perfume in the beginning. What's the point of that? Well, then there's at least opportunity for guilt, right? Like he did something wrong. He didn't give the girl Holy. a present. He's rejecting that femininity to be a man, right? Like he's oh, so mad at you. Sin too. Okay. Yeah. So, I like so I think, I like it. so when he sees the beggar and he gives her money, maybe even a form of tithing of paying for your, your dues in, into heaven, if you will, I think it just, it makes a little bit more sense for why he would have the guilt or the need to tithe and the need to uh, pray for, for forgiveness, if you will, if you do believe in your choices mattering from a grace perspective. I wonder what was Flannery's situation when she released this story of, 
I need money to pay rent or what was going on. Because as you said at the beginning, I do feel like this is incomplete. And now that I know this information from an afternoon in the woods, it starts to make a lot more sense. And I feel myself enjoying this story a little bit more because context is everything for me. And if I don't have that, I, I struggle with it. And now a lot of the pieces are falling into place as we're kind of talking through this. And I love the fun theory, too, that this could possibly be the origin story for Manly Pointer, which, again, it's probably not, but it's still kind of fun to play around with. And I, I enjoy that uh, because I was very confused through a lot of this story of what is ruler is he a reliable narrator? Like sometimes I feel like he was just making things up through parts of the story. Did you get that? Did you seem confused too? I wonder if when this was first written was, was there a desire to show that, I mean, one of the main contentions with ruler, the boy in the Turkey was, is his faith real or not? Right. He's, he's almost testing it even. And to your point, yes, there are absolutely, when I was reading it, I'm like, like, is this really happening or is this in the boy's head? And then it turns out it's all fantasy. It was in the boy's head. It's kind of like that question of is faith real or not to this boy? And I think that it's kind of like a, you feel like the boy where you're not even sure what to believe in, like what's real and what's not real when the story's presented in this kind of like half fantasy, half real world mashup. Okay. Yeah. I, I can see that. I guess I just wasn't expecting that. I know that the Flannery stuff is very deep and sometimes it's hard to digest. But for her to write in that style was very unusual. This is one of the most unusual stories that I feel like I've ever read from Flannery. And I was a little bit poo-poo on it in the beginning. But now that I, I have that context and I see the point we've had the discussion uh, I, I think there's a lot to, to get out of this story um, from a moralistic standpoint, a religious standpoint, faith standpoint, and uh, the evolution of, of, of a coming-to-age story it set in a very unique situation. I guess that was something that many people may struggle with like I did. Well, I think it's, I think it's a worthy conversation, too, of when does your free will, your personal choice, whether you're religious or not, when does that matter versus when are you giving up and releasing control to someone else, whether you believe that that's a, a God, whether you believe that's fate or just, you know, things outside of your control from a stoicism perspective, where does your boundary start and stop? And when do you allow yourself to be at fault versus when do you allow things to be out of your control? I think is a very valid question to ask yourself. Every time you get in that passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we're gonna leave a flannery o'connor playlist down below we'd appreciate it if you subscribe hit the like button and join us on other conversations of hers we got plenty more planned of hers coming up my name is benuna peace